Whoa. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Mr. Chris, a couple minutes ago. Hello to you as well, sir. Welcome. Oh, I don't have my light on. Oh, that would explain it. I don't have either of my lights on. Wow, hi. Ah, see? Mood lighting. Ooh. Ah, okay. So, welcome, nerds. I actually got the starting soon up on time today. Just kind of had some other things to set up that uh, I got that going specifically so that we would be on time because the last couple we've started a little late. So, uh, welcome. I know it is still technically late, even though I was halfway ready. <laughs> uh, I don't think we have anything to speak of for... Um, housekeeping before we jump into getting into this really juicy news we've got today um uh, we there is next week uh a minor scheduling thing because i'm going snowboarding so that's gonna kind of put a cause a couple of ripples uh i think that is our only real issue for the next week i will keep you posted for more and yeah let's make sure i've got the news up before we switch to it because i don't want to switch to a blank screen and then how well actually since we're in housekeeping housekeeping might watch the new screen movie next week sweet i was just gonna ask you about that chris uh i've heard actually quite good things um i haven't read any reviews yet but i hear it's at least not as bad as say scream 4 so that's saying something um, so yeah, I, I was wondering if you had already seen it, but apparently you have not. So, uh, did you catch the most recent episode of the regular show for Weekend Nerddom? Uh, we're talking about the possibility, because it was a rumor, that Scream 7 is going to be happening. Um, apparently they are in pre-production for it, according to the rumor. So did you hear, did you, did you check that out, sir? And as I wait for the delay to catch up, I think we're going to switch over to the news. Uh, if I can remember which scene that is supposed to be. There we go. Ba -ba -bow. I think, I think the, the, oh no, I guess we're all right. I'm going to bring it down just a scotch. All right. So first thing in the news um recasting we've been keeping tabs on this daredevil situation so let's let's get into that real quick and then i don't understand the situation with uh how youtube monitors chat because it says there's nobody in chat right now and i know there are so i don't understand it You got the worst luck. Oh, that sucks, man. Um, but yeah, definitely, uh, I have I have heard that it is worth watching, if nothing else. It, it, it's worth going to the theaters to catch. So, uh, yeah, I, I strongly I strongly encourage theater going because it's always fun. 
Um, all right. So first piece of news, Cosmic Book is where we start. We are uh, talking about Daredevil, Born Again. Apparently, we're doing some recasting. So uh, recasting has begun for Daredevil, Born Again at Marvel Studios. Uh, recast the role of Kingpin's wife from the Netflix series, which kind of makes sense. She was, I don't know, she was she factored pretty heavily into the first season. So still, though. In the scheme of things, fairly fairly makes sense. Uh, with the news that the first episode will be directed by Michael uh, Cuesta, Homeland, uh, comes word that Kingspin, Kingpin's wife, Vanessa Fisk, will be played by Sandra Holt in the MCU. Marvel TV Netflix series uh, featured Ailet Zurer as the character in 11 episodes, who also played Superman's mom, Lara, in Snyder's Man of Steel. Um, Sandra Holt casting was actually first announced back in November, but the role wasn't known. So that uh, with Daredevil Born Again now filming in New York, Hollywood Reporter reports Sandra Holt is playing Vanessa Fisk. November casting also saw the news of Margareta Levieva, Levieva, I think is how that is pronounced, Margarita. Uh, joining the cast and Michael Gandolfini. Oh, interesting. That would be a very interesting choice for Froggy. Uh, also previously announced as joining the cast with both of their roles unknown. So that, that I think they're insinuating that that's uh, Froggy and, again, I can't think of her character name. Karen Page. There we go. Thank you. Foggy. I keep saying Froggy. I meant to say Foggy. Uh, recently, it was announced that John Barenthal will be back as Punisher, which also comes with the news that Deborah Ann Wall and Eldon Henson won't be back as their respective characters, Karen Page and Foggy Nelson, from the Netflix series. So now, with the news that a character has been recast from the Netflix show, that might mean Kevin Feige and Marvel might actually recast the roles of both Karen Page and Foggy, uh, something fans are worried about as both actors have been a stable of the Netflix series. Yeah, uh, staple, I think, is what they meant to say. Uh, it's hard to imagine Daredevil without Karen and Foggy, so either Feige is going to recast them, or maybe Deborah Ann Wall and Eldon Henson will appear sometime down the road, as Born Again is 18 episodes. Oh, I didn't know that. I did not remember that from previous reporting. So, uh, the implication with that is actually quite cool, because that's almost like a proper series from the uh, from the days of Pat, the TV past. Um, used to be a series, a season rather, uh, ran for 20 to 25 episodes per season. A show ran for 20 to 25 episodes per season. Um, with the quote golden age of TV that we've been in, that has been significantly shortened. Um, I think Supernatural was one of the last series that actually ran with a traditional length season uh, for every season. Even season 15 for Supernatural was, I think it was actually, that one was 18 episodes. No, that one was 22 episodes, I lie. So yeah, even even the final season of Supernatural was a proper length season. So um, I don't know, This this there's a lot going on behind the scenes. We have Bob Iger saying that we need more quality out of Marvel shows. We have the announcement from Feige and Iger saying that they're going to slow down on the release of Marvel properties. Uh, I think that's a mandate from Iger to Feige. 
and then we also have like the uh, the reporting of the numbers. Everything's been doing fairly poorly uh, by comparison. I mean, you think of the heyday and Avengers. What was it? Uh, Infinity. Or was it Endgame? One of the two, or maybe even both at this point, have made over a billion dollars. I know Endgame made over a billion dollars in theaters. I think at this point with streaming and uh, sales and things that uh, Infinity Saga also has made over a billion dollars. So you compare that to where we're at now. Let's actually pull that up. If you look at... Go to the Googles... And the Googles say, how much money did Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania make? There. So, $622 million. So, they're over half a billion. But if you look at the first Ant-Man movie, oh, $2 billion. That's what Infinity War was, was $2 billion. So, yeah, uh, uh, Endgame was over $2 billion as well, I would imagine. Uh, but then Captain Marvel was over a billion, Ant-Man. So we've grossed more than the first Ant-Man movie. But how much did it cost to make? Um, how much did Ant-Man Watson cost? 200. So we're we're netting approximately 200 million. Because again, if it if it costs 200 million to make, which this is very much underreported. Like I don't believe 200 million at all. <laughs> but if we go with the numbers that are readily available through Google, uh, 200 million equals 400 million because they spend at least the same amount for marketing as they do for the actual production. So we're at 400 million. So that puts us at 222 million roughly profit, um, which is in the green, but just barely in terms of a Marvel movie. So let's say, how much did Avengers uh, Infinity Saga, Infinity War, rather. Infinity War. Infinity Saga is the name of the, the phase uh, one through three or whatever. Cost. 316. So they, they're, that's a significant difference. We're looking at... Uh, no, go away. We're looking at just over 600 million, and then they made $2 billion. So that's a significant payday. Everything else uh, kind of pales in comparison. So if those are our numbers, it's 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 reasonable to to believe that yes, they are kind of panicking that they're only returning a two hundred million dollar paycheck when before they were returning over a billion dollar pay paycheck. So um, trying to keep things in the green, I think, is m the more reasonable way to look at this. They're not scrambling because they're not making money. It's Disney. They're still they could they could stop producing movies today and still maintain all of their other businesses and probably stay in the green for a good uh, half a decade to a decade. I would say five to ten years without any new income, they would probably still be able to pay the bills, I would venture to say. So to say that a $200 million return is them scrambling to 
<laughs> to make things better. Yes, I think there is a little bit of a scramble to maintain income, but it's not because they're losing money by any stretch. Some of their properties, yes, I would say are close to even. I don't think anything though is in the red. I think I think everything they have is green, uh, but it's it's just a matter of how green. So with them bringing all of that back down into this 18 episodes and the the uh, announcement from Iger and Feige that they're going to minimize and there's actually rumors we talked about in the regular episode uh, this week as well where with the rumors of uh, movies getting shuffled around this tells me that they want to they want to fill that void with something that they know the fans are going to like, or they, they think they know the fans are going to like. I would say that whatever they're going to do to Born Again, the first probably five to eight episodes are going to be a mixed bag at best. It's going to take them a while to really find this character. It's good that they have Charlie Cox because he knows this character very well from his time at Netflix and probably since then I would imagine he's done his 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 share of uh, research but I don't think the first few episodes but they're they're going to be very mixed as far as reviews go as well. I'm I'm calling that one right now. Um I think 18 episodes, though, gives a lot of time to work out the kinks and shows that Marvel is serious about giving the fans, or at least paying lip service to giving the fans something that they want. So I think this is a sign of positive motion. I think there is a definite possibility that we are moving in a good direction with an 18-episode season. I think they definitely 100%, I agree 100% that they definitely need to scale back their output because like hardcore fans would be down if they were catering to what the hardcore fans wanted, but they're not. So they're, they're upsetting the core fan base of, you know, these are the people who have been reading comic books since they could read. And so they know these characters probably better than most of the writers know these characters. Um, so, and we have this, this modern movement in Hollywood where everything needs to be deconstructed and we need to, we need to break it apart and rebuild it into, a, into something else. And that doesn't, that doesn't sit well with fan existing fans. Um, the storytelling is subpar. So new fans aren't as willing to go see everything unless it's something they're passively, uh, already a fan of. So like when we get an X-Men movie or if we ever, finally get a good Fantastic Four movie, those will do well, but it's because they already have a built-in normie fan base. Because, again, hardcore fans are going to go probably see most things. At this point, I don't even know if they're doing that for Disney Marvel because they've kind of steered this ship in such a wonky direction. Um, So that's the direction that they're going, is they're like not really doing what the hardcore fans want and not doing enough to keep new fans in to justify this output so if they slow down maybe give the hardcore fans a couple bones to chew on and then also tell good stories with 
fully fleshed out characters and don't just do a Marvel, then I think, yeah, that's a, that's a recipe for success going forward. I, that's not what they've been doing. Um, and hopefully they're learning from that mistake, though it is a massive ship to, to write, uh, in the, in a proper direction. Um, moving right along, let's take a drink of our oat milk. Fans approve of Chris Pratt. Uh, all right, so we're gonna we're gonna make an attempt just because I'm curious. So new clip for oh Happy Mario Day by the way. Today is March 10th, aka Mario Day. Uh, so they released a new clip today of Chris Pratt voicing Mario. Let's see if we can find it. Illumination. CEO found. All right, so let's just read the whole article, shall we? Fans approved Chris Pratt's Super Mario, which follows the release of a new clip, and, and today also happens to be Mario Day. Check out the new clip and reaction on Twitter below. Chris Pratt was first announced voicing the character. There was still a bit of backlash as the actor isn't Italian or a person of color. Irrelevant. Uh, the guy who voices him for the game is also not Italian nor a person of color. So, yeah. Um. Illumination founder CEO responds. Illumination founder and CEO Chris Melodonder actually previously responded to the criticism. We are collaborating with Chris and his experience team to not just create a character-licensed film, but a new piece of entertainment which brings Super Mario Brothers to life on the screen. Why can't you just use the guy who's already voicing him in the games? Don't understand. Uh, and allows, continuing on, and allows everyone to enjoy whether or not they know about the game. Mel Mel Melodander, Melodandry. Oh, hey, look, they left the eye off of, up here. Anyway, Melodandry said during the Cine Europe convention last year. Yes, we covered this. I don't remember that quote, but we definitely covered this. When people hear Chris Pratt's performance, criticism will evaporate. Maybe not entirely. People love to voice opinions as they should. Hey, at least he's acknowledging that. That's a cool poster. I really like that Japanese poster. That's awesome. I, I, want, I want the next Nintendo console to look that good. Uh, what does John Leguizamo think? I don't care. We've covered that. Fans now support Chris Pat Mario. All right, so this is the change. Well, with footage from Super Mario Brothers movie having been released, especially the latest clips, fans have changed their minds and now support Chris Pratt. I'd like to issue apology to Chris Pratt on behalf of all Nintendo fans. We were wrong. We were also very wrong about you. Okay, where's the clip? Let's play the dang clip. Oh, is it an Instagram clip? Bye. By Chris Pratt. Will it open? I think it'll open. Nope, that is a picture. <laughs> Jack Black is always a win. Um, should we go look? Let's, uh, I don't know if I can do that. Let's take a, Mario posters are amazing. Oh my God, dude, how sick is this? Let's go back to that Mario poster since you just made that, since you made that comment a moment ago. So this is one, I'm not as impressed with this one because it's cool, but whatever. This one though, look at that. I mean, like you can even see the texture in the scales of uh, Bowser. Like even on his hand, that is just a really awesome. And then just the composition. Let's, let's take a look at composition. Um, here, let's see if we can do this. Open in new tab. 
ba, 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 ba. I don't remember how to go full screen. Nope, that's not the same in as it used to be. So screw it. We'll just go bigger and bigger. Okay. And bigger? Yeah. All right. So we're starting to fuzz out because it is a digital image, but we can still get a little bit better. Like all of the Koopa, uh, the flying Koopas, Rainbow Road in the background. But compositionally speaking, we have, uh, let's, let's do our rule of thirds. So bottom third, middle third, top third. Our top third we have in the the first square of your rule of thirds, you have Bowser's face, right in the center, right about where the intersection would be for uh, top and left third, you have Mario's face. So all on points of interest, if you're looking at your rule of thirds, uh, DK is uh, just outside of that intersection line. Uh, your points of interest here, we have, I can't I can never remember this character's name and I feel so dumb because it's so simple. Um, and so you have the him, the wizard dude, again, can't think of his name, and then Toad on the other intersections on your bottom. So, like, you've got something going on at all of your major intersections, save for this one. But even that, you've got Rainbow Road over here to occupy your eyeball. And the awesomeness that is this render of Bowser. Like, how cool does he look? Bowser's Castle, uh, Toad Island, just, just looks so awesome. I dig it so much. This is probably going to be the first movie in a long time that I go see in the theaters. Not going to lie. Um, should we? I'm gonna I'm gonna send this off. Kamek, thank you, Kamek. Um, Avengers Endgame is now Super Smash Brothers movie. Now there will be a Mario universe, like a Mario type multi. Yeah, uh, that I mean I'm. I'm okay with that. If if they legitimately lean into it, I know they're going to do a Donkey Kong movie. That's already in development. Um, but beyond that, there's no like official word what's what else is going to happen. Very probably they will do a sequel to the Mario movie. But uh, be, anything other than that is really really like grasping at straws kind of speculation. Um. Being Super Mario Galaxy, uh, I have not actually heard that, so that would be interesting. I uh, no, actually, I did hear a rumor that Super Mario Galaxy. Um, I didn't. We didn't talk about it in the show, though. Super Mario Galaxy being the subject of a potential sequel. Yes, I did hear that. Actually, I can't remember which rumor monger it was selling it, but I, I, I definitely heard it. Avengers Endgame is now Super Smash Brothers movie. That's funny. I like that. Um, all right, so Kamek is the name. Should we go? Should we go look? Up, should we go try and look up the trailer, Chris? Is that something that should be done? I th I think maybe. I'll pull up YouTube. YouTube. Super Mario movie. One day ago. Final trailer. Uh, no, it's Universal. They will 
probably strike us. Universal UK. Illumination. What if we do it from the Illumination page? I mean, IGN plays this stuff all the time. Hey, that's Kari Payton. That's Oh, still just sounds like Chris Pratt, man. We're gonna get hit. We're gonna. I can see it coming now. Rainbow Road, of course. That's so awesome. Still, just sounds like Chris Pratt. I don't understand what why anyone has changed their mind about. That's cool. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. So still just sounds like Chris Pratt, though. It's just Chris Pratt doing Chris Pratt with a, an occasional Mario noise from time to time. Like he does the waha, but otherwise it's Chris Pratt's talking voice. So I don't know why people have changed their mind, but okay, sure. Um, uh, to address the comment you just made, Chris, uh, if they're planning on doing an MCU type thing, for Mario movies, that might be cool, but I'm just not sure how they'll pull it off. I don't know if they would do like a multiverse thing necessarily because I th uh, I don't know if there is a multiverse story to be told with Mario, but um, I do think that they could pull off an MCU type thing in that each of their individual properties that exists together, like Mario, Donkey Kong, Yoshi, et cetera, et cetera. Um, could uh, princess peach could have her own movie. Uh, uh, one of the, you could have like a, a Koopa kid get his own movie and be an anti-hero, And you could have, um, De the whole story of where the hell Daisy comes from and why that's a thing could be a whole movie unto itself. So, like, yeah, there's a lot of stuff there. And then eventually uh, they've been there have been a lot of rumors about uh, some sort of Zelda or Link property. Hold that thought.
I it was a that was a fluke. I don't think it's gonna be a regular thing. Okay, sorry. Tamale guy knocking at the door. Uh, let's push play on the music again. Okay. Uh, so yeah, so an MCU type thing of multiple IPs linking together. Yeah, I totally think. And then have some sort of like I can totally see a title sequence for a movie called Smash where everything comes together. Uh, oh, but we were talking about Zelda. Uh, <clears throat> there have been a number of rumors for uh, for a while. It was a series that was supposedly going to potentially go to Netflix. And then I think it got rumored to be going over to Amazon. Smash Brothers considering being characters from different Nintendo games. Yeah, yeah, totally. Could be like an Avengers Endgame thing. Um... I think it would be more a lot more in line with the roster of the Nintendo 64 Smash, the very first Smash Brothers. But yeah, totally a possibility. They would do a movie or two for all of the big properties. Nintendo, or Nintendo. <laughs> Zelda, which in, which would be Zelda and Link, and then you have Donkey Kong, and then you have Mario. Oh, as I hit the microphone sorry uh mario and then you have you could do a yoshi and then you could do you know any number of these characters i don't know if there would ever be like an f-zero i don't know if they would ever expand that far out to get captain falcon in the game star fox though i could totally see getting his own movie that would be honestly i would be very surprised if the illumination animation universe for nintendo if that does expand then probably within the first five movies i would be very surprised if we did not see a star fox movie um so yeah so i i think it's totally viable i think that's a really cool thought actually <laughs> uh let's continue on with the news though we got to get to those headlines that we teased in the headline of the video um, Superman across the Spider-Verse shows off new clip, Air Jordans and images. No thanks. Transformers Rise of the Beast character posters, teases Optimus Prime, Primal, and Mirage. James Gunn directing Superman Legacy. We kind of already knew that. Yeah. All right. So we're going to let's get into this real quick because I called it uh, apparently 65, the new movie with Adam Driver tanks <laughs> so scream six is doing really well opens at a franchise best 5.7 million uh over last year's uh 3.5 million for scream five even beat creed three's thursday oh wow that's cool uh, it went to open up over 58 million this week. That's cool. Scream 6 estimated to open 35 million this weekend. Uh, another franchise best. That's awesome. Scream 6 tomato meter, about a, a high. Goodness. <laughs> uh, Rotten Tomatoes, uh, 78 from from uh, reviewers, which, yeah, that's about right but a 93 percent audience score that's pretty impressive not gonna lie um when we got the super bowl trailer when we did our when i did the real quick rundown of the super bowl trailers and the episode that followed the super bowl i said 65 is going to bomb and yes it looks like that's what's happening uh different story for a new adam driver sci-fi movie 65 which comes from the writers of i believe deadpool 
Uh, produced by Sam Raimi, directed by Scott Beck and Brian Woods. Uh, even heard, had never even heard of this movie until last week. It's because you're not paying attention. Russo. Uh, synopsis. Yeah, that means dinosaurs, blah, blah, blah. Here we go. 28 from critics, 58 from the audience. Blah, not good at all. Um, oh no. Another delay for Suicide Squad, for the Suicide Squad game. This is a rumor though, so not official. In the news of a May 26th release date, but according to reporter for Bloomberg, the game has been delayed yet again due to the fan response. News, Warner Brothers and Rocksteady have delayed Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League once again from May to later this year, according to a person familiar. The showcase of the game during a PlayStation stream last month was poorly received by fans. I don't know why it would have been uh, for what it's worth a delay like this, mainly polish. Yeah, blah, 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 blah. Moving along, Fantastic Four Direct rumored on Silver Surfer and Vision Quest. Um, let's check it out, because there might be something more from Silver Surfer. Matt Shackman said to have signed a major deal with Marvel Studios. Rumor services that Fantastic Four director Matt Shackman has signed a big deal with Marvel, which includes a Silver Surfer series and the Vision Quest series, said to be in development at Disney+. Shackman is known for WandaVision, previous to Marvel. Shackman directed a couple of episodes of Game of Thrones, 40 episodes of It's Always Sunny. Really? Interesting. I didn't know that. Did not realize they were the same person. Okay, cool. According to Jeff Snyder via YouTube, who dropped... Okay, so that's that's the source. Information uh, as a rumor, but that Shackman has signed a multi-picture deal with Marvel Studios that potentially includes directing episodes of the WandaVision series. Okay, so he's not going to be like the showrunner for WandaVision. He's just going to direct some episodes. Sure, that's believable. Uh, featuring the return of Paul Bettany from WandaVision and Shackman will potentially executive produce the Silver Surfer series, which is very much still rumored, not actually uh, confirmed yet. Overseeing everything related to Fantastic Four in the MCU, much how John Watts uh, always directed Spider-Man, Ryan Coogler with Black, uh, with Black Panther, and planned spinoff shows, add James Gunn and his Guardians of the Galaxy movies and characters as Gunn was involved with both Infinity War and Endgame. Cool. Okay. Ba-ba-ba-ba, Brie Larson, a nightmare. <laughs> Marvel in chaos with Blade and Mahershala Ali. Feige can't catch a break. Eh, blah. This was one that I saw when I was trying to put t the headline together that I was intrigued by. Uh, Jenna Ortega is in talks to reunite with director Tim Burton for Beetlejuice 2, so she must not have been put off too much by his racism, right? Um, Ortega stars Netflix uber-popular Wednesday series and has screen, uh, Scream 6, not Screen, coming out this week, uh, adding to host, in addition to hosting SNL this weekend. According to details, multiple sources have filled in THR that Jenna Ortega is circling Beetlejuice 2, set to play the daughter of Lydia Maitland. Her character originally played by, uh, what, wasn't it Deets? 
Wasn't Lydia's last name Dietz? Am I losing my mind? Really? So, okay. So why would why would they have? Okay, so because you guys can't hear her because she has a uh, doesn't have a microphone. Uh, I was just informed. I I, told, I remember this now that then now that she said it. But uh, my girlfriend is just is reminding me that Mait, the Maitlands are the um the people in the first Beetlejuice movie who owned the house before the Dietzes. So why would they have her listed as Lydia Maitland? Do you think? That's weird. The daughter of Lydia Maitland, the character originally played. Now, it was Lydia Dietz. Along with Tim Burton, Michael Keaton is also said to be back in the, as the titular character with Winona also back. And shooting uh, is supposed to start late May or June. Uh, I don't know if we talked about this, but it has, I believe, has been confirmed to at least be in development. Whether or not it gets greenlit is still a rumor, but it has been confirmed to be in development um, I, I don't remember who owns the rights to it right now, actually. I think it's safe to say that Jenner Take would be perfect casting for the sequel. Yeah, I think she would be great as a uh, young Dietz. Alec Baldwin and Gina Davis are the Maitlands. Jeffrey Jones and Catherine O'Hara are the Dietzes. I don't remember who Sylvia Sidney was. Um, Flick was released on March 30th, 1988, which is well before many of your times, I'm sure. Uh, Jenna Ortega saved Wednesday. Sure she did. I don't think the rest of this is relevant. Yeah, no, not at all. So that's really cool. Super Mario Bros. movie releases final trailer. Marvel's What If introduces somebody I don't care about. Marvel and Star Wars are getting a careful look, says Bob Iger. Uh, we'll get this, and then we're into the proper headlines. So. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense that they would, that they would have her as Lydia Maitland. You don't think so? Fair. Uh, Disney CEO Bob Iger. This is we we alluded to this earlier when we were talking about Disney stuff. But here is here is from the horse's mouth. Effectively, made comments about Marvel and Star Wars in that they are both getting a careful look, reiterating that he said uh, what he said at the recent investor meeting that it's all about quality over quantity, which is good. Iger attended the Morgan Stanley Technology Media and Telecom Conference and was asked about the health of Disney's big franchises, which include Star Wars and Marvel. Uh, on Marvel, Iger said, there are 7,000 characters. There are a lot more stories to tell. What we have to look at Marvel... <clears throat> What we have to look at Marvel is not necessarily the volume of Marvel stories we're telling, but how many times we go back to the well on certain characters. Sequels typically work well for us. Do you need a third and fourth, for instance? Or is it time to return to turn to other characters? So this has uh, been read as an allusion to Ant-Man because we just got our fourth Ant-Man movie. If it's a good story, I don't care who 
the um, title hero is as long as it's a good story. So why this is this is this should be irrelevant because these characters have been getting new iterations for literally decades. So, sure, go back to the well as often as you have a story to tell. Don't go back to the well because you feel like you have to. Don't go back to, uh, don't, don't try and resurrect this character because it's the only way you're going to make money. Because if you're going in it to make money, this is advice that many people have given uh, on, like, how-to YouTube uh, kind of channels where... They're they're giving advice on you know motivations and and things. If you're making a YouTube channel just because you want to make a million dollars, well then you're probably never going to make a million dollars because you have no idea what your voice is. So if you're going back to the well to use Iger's phrase on a certain character because that character has previously done well and not because you have a story that can only be told with that character then it doesn't matter if it's the first time telling a story with this character or if it's the 70th time telling a story with this character. It's not going to do good. Um, if, if, there is a genuine, if there is a genuine desire to tell a story, if there is something that can only be tackled by this specific character, if you, say, have something that is perfect for Captain Marvel, it doesn't matter that Brie Larson is a man-hating feminist. It's going to be a good movie because there is a story to tell. If you're only doing this because there's contracts and money involved, then you're 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 doing it the wrong way and it's not going to pay off. Uh, so continuing with the article, I apologize. We keep birdwalking. Continuing with the article, our Iger added... <clears throat> There's nothing in any way inherently off in terms of the Marvel brand. I think we just have to look at what characters and stories we are mining. And if you look at the trajectory of Marvel over the next five years, you'll see a lot of newness, he said. Now we're going to turn back to the Avengers franchise, but with a whole set of different Avengers as an example. Uh, worth mention is that Iger's comment come after Ant-Man and the Wasp on me bombed big time at the box office. We already covered that as the third movie of that franchise. Third, I thought it was the fourth. Nope, third. I was wrong. I was wrong. Um, comments also follow Thor: Love and Thunder. The fourth. That's the fourth. There we go. Uh, fourth movie of that franchise not being received well by fans. Yeah, because they're telling the same story again. You only go to a character. You only bring out the big guns, uh, which now includes uh, Iron Man, the previous to the MCU. Iron Man was a B-list tier, uh, B-list character at best, but uh, now that Iron Man is a popular character, you don't, you don't just bring in a new Iron Man because the previous Iron Man's contract is up. You bring in a new Iron Man. You bring in a new actor to play Iron Man. You bring in, you do, but only if there's a story to be told. You don't just do it to do it because you want to make money. Because that's again, there's no heart in that. And obviously, the the return on investment is not going to be there as they're learning. Really dumb. Okay. Um, Bob Iger is wrong. Oh, hey, let's get into this. However, what Iger says about the quantity being a problem, as well as not being third or fourth movies, the bad character is 100% wrong. Oh, please agree with me. The problem is not the quantity of characters. It's the quality. It's not the quantity that's causing the problem. Uh, yes, you can, because again, we have... 
I'm, I keep my brain keeps going back to Batman, so I'm just going to use Batman as an example because he's my favorite superhero. Well, to him and Wolverine, but that's that's a little cliche. But um, I keep coming back to Batman because I'm the most familiar with Batman. Um, even though we're talking Marvel, this just you know replace Batman with any Marvel superhero. Um, Batman has been in print solidly since. The the fifties. I want to. Uh, I'm drawing a blank as to exactly when we had the uh, Bill Finger and and such created him. But either way, he's been at. He's has had at least one book in print since his inception. Right now, he has multiple books that are that you have. You have the Batman mainline, you have Detective Comics, and then you have all of the books that have spawned from that. There's the Bat and the Cat book that's going on that Tom King's doing. Um, and then, like, you could literally count all of the Bat family as Batman books as well. So you have Batgirl uh, is still getting her own books. You have the um, the Outsiders books. You have uh, the Red Hood. You have all of these Batman-related properties that don't work without Batman. Like, yeah, so you can have quantity. There is, I mean, there is a fair argument to be made about modern Batman stories that... They're not great, but that kind of reiterates the point I'm making is if you don't have a story that is worth telling, then don't use the don't use that character. Um, let's continue with the article because I'm just going to keep making the same point. Uh, Feige's approach to phase four has been horrible, just like I said, uh, the author uh, said it would be years ago. The fact is Marvel writing has been just atrocious. For some reason, Feige hired a bunch of comedy writers to pen new MCU projects. And a Marvel producer has even gone so far as to say he doesn't hire people who read comics. Can you believe it? Bob isn't. Uh, this isn't a quantity problem. It's a quality problem. Quite frankly, the writing sucks, and Feige's approach of replacing original characters like the crappy comics did with the Marvel Now initiative sucks. And when you do that and change everything about the characters, the writing suffers and sucks as well. Uh, what does Iger say about Star Wars? Effectively the same thing, so we're just going to move on. So we have Batman Cape Crusader. So this is one that we talked about potentially happening a few months back. Actually, I think this, we reported on this one of the final episodes before uh, the off time, the off season. So finally getting a an update on that. Batman Cape Crusader, the animated movie, the Bruce Tim animated movie produced by J.J. Abrams and that involves Matt Reeves and Ed Brubaker. Um, but Bruce Tim is the uh, one of the creators of the original Batman the animated series, so that's why this is significant. But Batman Cape Crusader moves to Amazon. Batman Cape Crusader animated series passed over by HBO Max has landed a new home at Amazon. While the deal hasn't officially gone through as of yet, Hollywood Reporter reports Prime Video has given the series a two-season order. Oh, I'm super excited about that. HBO Max decided not to go forward with the series just last year, but the series continued with production and has shopped around with Netflix, Apple, and Hulu, passing on the project, which eventually landed on Amazon. Bruce Tim is behind the project, along with J.J. Abrams, Matt Reeves, and comic book scribe Ed Brubaker. 
I'm super excited that Brew Baker and Bruce Tim are involved with that. Matt Reeves, maybe a little bit, but definitely not J.J. Abrams. I like J.J.'s original stuff. I don't like when J.J. takes other people's toys and tries to do something with them. Uh, executive producer Bruce Tim, J.J. Abrams, Matt Reeves said... At the time of the first announcement, we were beyond excited to be working together to bring this character back to tell engrossing new stories in Gotham City. Gotham City. The series will be thrilling, cinematic, and evocative of Batman's noir roots while driving deeper, diving rather deeper into the psychology of these iconic characters. We cannot wait to share this news with uh, this new world. Bruce Baker said when his involvement was announced last year, there's something few people know, but the original Batman, the animated series, was one of the things that made me want to write superhero comics in general because it was amazing. Uh, and Batman in particular. Brubaker told uh, Hollywood Reporter in a statement, if not for what Bruce Tim and all the talented writers and artists did at that show, things like my revamp of Catwoman with Darwin Cook, who was who worked on uh, BTAS, B- uh, I should know what that is, but I'm drawing a blank, and Gotham Central with Greg Rucka and Michael Clark would never have happened. So when Bruce Tim offered me a chance to come work on his new reimagining of Batman with him, uh, James Tucker, J.J. Abrams, and Matt Reeves, I jumped at it. This is the artwork that they have created. Very reminiscent. The font, the the, the typeface here, very reminiscent of the uh, original animated series typeface, which is great. That's all we got that's new, though. Super, super excited about that guy. Um, John Barenthal teases Punisher return on TikTok and Instagram. Gotham Knights dead Batman bombs on Rotten Tomatoes. Of course, I didn't even realize, honestly, that this was already starting to air. Uh, new on uh, the coming to CW. Oh, it hasn't started to air yet. Okay. Where Batman is dead doesn't look to be starting off with the well. Uh, the show is bombing on Rotten Tomatoes with the first batch of reviews. Series teases when Batman falls, who will rise and powder cake ignites Gotham City with the Dark Knight to protect without the Dark Knight to protect it. Uh, ba 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 ba. I don't care. I don't care. Here we go. So, forty percent. Oof. Gotham Knight is a half-decent DC Universe story with unfortunately couched in teen melodrama and color grading more irritating than atmospheric. Oh, that sucks. From Screen Rant. Uh, CBR says, CW's latest superhero series, Gotham, tries to boldly reinvent the Batman mythos only to be restrained by reheated teen drama. With its heart caught between a daytime soap and a gritty superhero drama, the series never feels as potent or as focused as it could, according to Slant. Mama's Geekly. It take uh, takes a little while to find its footing, but once it does, DC fans will be happy with the outcome. Oof! I don't, I don't know if they know what they're talking about. Uh, comicbook.com says while it struggles just a bit to get out the gate, once it does, it delivers an interesting approach to a Gotham-centered Batman-adjacent story that's got just enough mystery, enough comic book DNA to make it. An intriguing watch. I don't know if I will ever. So CBR, I generally don't trust their opinions, but very rarely do I trust the, even more rarely than CBR, do I trust comicbook.com. So, yeah, probably not going to be watching that one. Okay. Um... What was the other headline? I don't remember. Oh, yeah, it's down here, isn't it? I don't remember what the other headline is. Hold on. Hold on. Avengers. Oh, that's right. Okay. 
James Spader. Where's the Avengers one? Right there. Okay, so we got a minute. We got a couple of articles between here and there. Um, Immortal Hulk. That's that's good. I can I can get behind that. We're gonna skip it though. Indian Jones five gets an official rating. Don't care. Flash Michael Shannon on multiverse sod. Don't care. Acolyte shares same tone as Andor reveals lawsuit. Interesting. So, I think we're going to learn. Yeah, uh, I did not talk about this in the most recent episode because I kind of wanted to let it breathe a little bit. So we're talking about it tonight. But the Acolyte is apparently getting sued. Uh, And so Lawsuit has revealed some things about the show that seem it is in similar tone to Andor. Uh, The article reads, it's learned that the new Star Wars series, The Acolyte, shares the same tone as the Andor series, which is really liked by those who have watched it. I still have not yet watched Andor, though I have heard pretty good things once you get past, I believe it was like episode three, it really starts to get really good, though I don't think it ever picks up in the pace. So, yeah, it's just not a thing that's... For whatever reason, not on my radar. Anyway, info comes from a report regarding a lawsuit filed by producer Karen McCarthy, who was brought on board to executive produce The Acolyte, but was let go two weeks later. McCarthy is now suing Disney for breach of her contract, uh, where as a result, she missed out on producing the Apple TV series uh, starring Colin Farrell, Sugar. That's not at all as as McCarthy claims Disney didn't pay her and only wanted to pay her for one day of work. Quote, as a result of bad faith and wrongful termination, defendants deprived Miss McCarthy significant employment from which she would have earned millions of dollars over the life of the series, states the lawsuit. Regarding the Acolyte filming, started back in October on the eighth episode, eight episode series, wherein Deadline reports uh, uh, about the lawsuit, the series is described as, quote, seemingly with the tone of the Tony Gilroy created Andor mystery thriller, The Acolyte is set in the murky end of the High Republic, which is the era before Star Wars flicks kick off. That sounds actually pretty cool. Uh, and. Continuing on, Andor is really good series, and sure, while it's a slow burn, it's well worth the watch. I do trust the opinions of Cosmic Book, generally speaking. Uh, so Disney and Lucasfilm going with what seems to be more serious and less goofy approach to the Acolyte sounds pretty promising. I must agree. Still haven't watched episode two of Mando, sadly, but I will before the next episode, so we can talk about it in the next uh, That Just Happened episode. Uh, fans are getting tired of the goofiness. Yeah, 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 yeah. Don't care about the rest of that article. Oh, yeah. Yikes. Did it say from that? Okay. Well, we will get there right now. Uh, gonna kind of gloss over some of these, uh, rumor, we, I think we might have talked about this, actually. I'm gonna go look at my notes real quick. Hold that thought. Notes from the last regular episode. Rumor mill. 
Yeah, we did talk about this. I did not get it from uh, Cosmic Book, though, so that's really cool that they're co- I I probably actually reported on it at the same time, but I, it, it was as this one was getting posted, I would imagine. Anyway, um, Kevin Smith's He-Man. Oof. Melissa Benoist, ben, Benoit? Benoist? Replaces Sarah Michelle Gellar as Tila. Interesting. Melissa Benoist will voice... Uh, Tila and Kevin Smith's Masters of the, Revolu- uh, Masters of the Revolution He-Man series coming to Netflix replacing Sarah Michelle Gellar. Series is a sequel to Masters of the Universe Revelation which received in 2021. Blah, 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 blah. Made the announcement on Wednesday. 40th anniversary He-Man is more prevalent in pop culture than ever before which is why we're especially excited to bring the force that Melissa Benoist into the fold. Uh, Melissa already exemplifies every aspect of Tila's formidable personality, and we know she will continue to showcase the same heart. I would imagine this is Kevin Smith pulling some strings because he's friendly with uh, Ben Wast because he's directed her in Supergirl on, I think, three or four episodes. Um, <laughs> that's actually pretty cool artwork. I could dig that. What is uh, Revolution about? This we have not talked about because this is all new to me. So let's read this bit. Masters of the Universe Revelation will be... What? Revolution. Oh, editing is a beautiful thing. Uh, will be released on Netflix 2024 as the next epic chapter in the Battle for Eternal in the Battle for Eternia. It is a standalone story that takes place after the events of Revelation. Revolution is an all-new story that brings the focus to He-Man versus Skeletor like you've never seen before. It's technology versus magic as He-Man and the heroic warriors face the forces of Skeletor and a deadly threat to the planet. Kevin Smith is the EP along with Rob David who writes and produces uh, He-Man and the Masters of the Universe animated series, which is a little bit more actual He-Man and a little less uh, virtue signal. Ted Baselli, uh, Christopher Keenan, and Frederick Suli. Mattel Television is producing. But that's all they're giving us. In Revelations, the end of the season showed Skeletor in the final episode in the Snake Mountain, where Skeletor rages at Triclops and his tech cultists for abandoning him, so Skeletor attempts to destroy their motherboard. However, the motherboard comes to life and begins assimilating Skeletor, revealing itself to bear a horde insignia. Long story short, in He-Man lore, Hordak is the leader of the horde, who is actually the villain of the She-Ra series. Oh, that's cool. That's why it sounded familiar. Okay. Uh, Various cybernetic characters. That's really cool. Hopefully, it's good. Because I like the premise so far. All right. I think that gets us right about to where we want to be. Marvel releases M-Power on Disney. Blah, blah, blah. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle is white, not black. Check the facts. Or kind of Asian. Whatever. Um, Daredevil Born Again. We talked about that. Let's talk about this. Nomad series. There we go. That's what I was trying to remember when I was writing the description for this episode. <laughs> Kevin Feige is bringing back big guns to bolster the fading MCU. Time travel involved. The article reads. Let's check chat before I... Oops, I'm in the wrong window. Ba-ba-ba. Okay. Chat is still good. 
The article reads, rumors, oops, I did not mean to click that. Rumors offer the Avengers are reuniting as Scarlett Johansson, Chris Evans, and Robert Downey Jr. are said to be returning for uh, to Marvel for the Nomad Disney Plus series. Word first surfaced last month that RDJ <clears throat> would be back as Mar- uh, at Marvel as Iron Man in a Nomad series now in a self-proclaimed scooper. Oh, now a self-proclaimed scooper on Twitter is stating Scarlett Johansson will be back as Black Widow and Chris Evans will play Captain America. In the comics, Steve Rogers becomes Nomad after abandoning the Captain America costume and title. How the show is going to relate to the MCU, it is said the series will follow Captain America becoming Nomad after finding out that the president far more is part of a villain, villainous secret empire, which might explain where why we're going to Secret Wars. Very interesting. I don't think this is legit, though. Um, I really don't think this is legit because we've heard explicitly that Robert Downey Jr. is not coming back to the MCU. Um, Could we potentially see uh, Chris Evans and maybe Scarlett Johansson? I don't even think I'm pretty sure Scarlett Johansson has said in no uncertain terms that she won't be returning to the MCU. So the only potential uh, for this rumor to be legit is on the Chris Evans portion of it. And... I mean, that would be cool to see because the Nomad series is still very much rumored in and of itself. So I don't I this is this sounds very much like grasping at straws. And the uh, comic Secret Empire is the storyline that deals with Hydra taking over the United States with an alternate reality version of Cap also revealed to be a Hydra agent. That's the Hell Hydra uh, panel that kind of went viral. Um, in the MCU, Kevin Feige has confirmed Harrison Ford, Thaddeus Ross, is the President of the United States, Captain America, New World Order, and Thunderbolts. What do the rumors say about Nomad? Uh, the rumor has it that Nomad series, we talked about the Nomad series being rumored, uh, follows Captain America as he time travels to return to the Infinity Stones to their rightful timeline. So that would be where Chris Evans comes in. So that seems how Scarlett Johansson will return as Black Widow for Robert Downey Jr. The Twitter rumor uh, claims uh, Danny Jr. will be a variant from the multiverse. Interestingly enough, rumors for the Avengers Endgame had Robert Downey Jr. playing a variant as well as King the Conqueror. Yeah. Nomad also sounds like it will be released prior to Secret Wars. Yes, it would have to be if it's going to deal with the Secret Empire. Um, would be featured in the multiversal variant of Iron Man. Blah, 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 blah. Yes. Producer on Ant-Man and Wasp Quantumania did just shoot down the notion. Robert did- yeah, exactly. It just just could be spin. Sure, it could be. I don't think it is. I, I, there's There's no reason to think that any of these guys are coming back, honestly. Save for possibly Chris Evans. But even then, I don't think that's going to happen. Okay, so we have just a moment. You read that TMNT article earlier today? Oh, the the this one here? The April O'Neil thing? Walt Hollywood back at it. We talked about this in the last episode, the last proper episode of the Week in Nerddom. Uh, Walt Hollywood back at it, replaced another redhead character with. Oh, that's right, the animated. That's right, she was redheaded. That's funny. I totally didn't even make that connection. 
Seth Rogen's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem, CGI animated movie. It's not the first time, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Nickelodeon Rise of TMNT uh, animated series. I also replaced April with African-American girl. Latest it drew uh, the question of April O'Neil's skin color has once again brought up where the woke lefties claim April has always been a person of character. And that if you think April has been white, you must be racist. Of course. Um, all right, so let's. I, I'm gonna because you do like the Ninja Turtles, Chris. Um, I'm gonna show you. Uh, it sounds like you may you may not have watched the most recent episode of the regular show. So let's just go check out. Uh, I'm gonna show you this Bounding in a Comics article about the same thing because they went into a little bit more detail uh, and are not so hardline. Oh, obviously they're dumb, um, which is honestly kind of refreshing for uh, Bounding in a Comics because they're usually pretty hardcore in that direction. Um, Seth Rogen says that if media critics knew how much negative criticism hurt the people that made the things, they would second guess the way they write. Oh, grow a backbone. Oh, it's going to take a second to find it. That's, I hate that. I don't like that at all. Um, ba bum ba bum ba bum boom. Sequels better than you remember? Oh, Predator 2 was pretty good, actually. Never mind. I was going to knock that article, but... Okay, here we go. Nope, I don't think that's it. Nope. Gotta go back even further. Good lord. Worms Mandalorian will match up to Disney's sequel trilogy. Also claims viewers influence continuity decisions. Yes. That's a good thing. Are we... Did we go back too far? Here we go. Here we go. Yep, this is the piece. So, Bounding into Comics goes into much better detail. Blah, 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 blah. Come on, meow. All right, so that's the um, rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So, notably, though, many defenders of April's race-swapping race in both Rise and Mutant Mayhem have long attempted to claim that she is initially depicted as black in Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird's original TMNT comic book series. It's nothing more than a misconception that has taken on a life of its own, making her public debut in the second issue of the franchise's flagship title... April was originally depicted with straight hair and fairly light complexion, especially compared to that of actual confirmed black character, Dr. Baxter Stockman, who was depicted by Laird with an uh, explicitly dark skin tone. So this is April here on the left. That's Baxter on the right. Notice a difference. <laughs> Uh, then, two issues later, April would undergo a slight makeover, suddenly deciding to get her hair permed, as was widely popular fashion choice during the 1980s when these books were new. This change, combined with the black and white nature of the book's art, led many to misinterpret the turtle's longtime friend as a black woman. Understandable, considering this art right here, right? However, as the years went on and trends changed, 1989 would ultimately see April return to her original straight hairstyle in uh, the 28th issue, as evidenced right here. Also note her eye shape. We're going to be coming back to that in a moment. 
Uh, favorite citation regularly raised by uh, those who believe April was originally intended to be black is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Volume 1, Number 32, Egyptian Adventure, as in the second printing of the issue, she was explicitly depicted as a black woman. Yet what many do not realize is that this issue is not produced by Turtles creators, but rather by underground comic artist Mark Bodie. Produced during a period when Mirage was allowing other creators to play with Eastman and Lair's toys, the series published as uh, the stories published as part of this idea, uh, issues number twenty-two through forty-four, are considered non-canon. Yes, explicitly not actually part of the Ninja Turtles canon. Further, this mistake was corrected long ago, and all subsequent reprintings of the story have consistently portrayed April with white skin. Yet perhaps the strongest evidence against April being originally intended as a black character is uh, is that her creators have long and regularly... Ha- the the semantics here are wrong but her creators long and regularly deny that she was conceived as such in 2002 series retrospective Eastman noted that April was quote originally created as an Asian character in Pete Laird's notes but named after an African American woman who uh, Eastman rather knew but named after an African American woman, I Eastman once knew the character of April O'Neil was introduced in issue two, and would have a bunch of different looks throughout the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles history. Asked by a fan for clarification, subject 2009, Laird would speculate that the answer of April's race quote depends on which co-creator of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles you ask. If you ask me, I always saw April O'Neil as white. Again, this is one of the creators of the character. If you ask Kevin Laird or Eastman rather, uh, I suspect he would say, as he has in a number of interviews, that she was of mixed race, much like his former girlfriend, when then wife, now ex-wife, April. So, if you want to play the race card, then you could make a reasonable argument that April is Asian of some sort of uh, potential, uh, and you're not supposed to say Oriental, but Oriental descent. Uh, Eastern Asian, I guess, is probably the, the, the proper term anymore. 2013, after once again being approached about the topic in his personal blog, uh, Laird would reaffirm that he, quote, has always imagined her as white and very likely of Irish, Scottish, English ancestry. Uh, Kevin may have had a different view, and I can't speak for him, but that's the way I always saw, saw her, he explained. As for the coloring of her skin on the color reprints of the Mirage comics, referring to the discussion surrounding uh, issue number 32, Kevin always had a lot more input on that end of the business than I did. In fact, I'm pretty sure he did the colors of the initial reprint from the first comics. The one in the graphic novel made uh, make of that what you will. So again, here is Kevin Eastman art with a potentially... Uh, Asian coloring to the skin, but definitely not black. The perm is an 80s thing. (laughs) Ultimately, the two appear to be entirely unsure of just what exact inspirations the other looked to when creating April. It seems that both agree that she was a white character whose name and appearance took some cues from Eastman's late, late first wife, April Fisher. 
course, April's new racial identity comes as no surprise, blah, blah. And then they go on to rip him about race swapping April for, I don't care. Uh, that's that. I think that's the biggest thing here is as long as they're telling a good story, it doesn't matter what the race of the characters are as long as they get the the rest of the character correct. As long as they get the general uh, uh, attitude and personality of that character correct. If she becomes some sort of like activist, then yeah, that's wrong. That is not the character of April O'Neil. Create a new sidekick character and let April be April. Um, if she is just trying to do good things, if she's trying to help the turtles, if she's trying to report the news as she sees it without, you know, letting other people dictate how she should be doing that, that's the character of April O'Neil. Um, I think her skin tone is a footnote at best, and that's how it should be. Uh, but we have to move over to music real quick. His wife was named April, whatever she was, I was say. Well, his wife was white. Um, but he he said explicitly <laughs> Johnny Boy's comics, yeah. Um, no. Uh, <laughs> like like the She-Hulk twerk, right? That is that what you're referring to? Yeah, absolutely, for sure. Let's let's get a let's get a twerk in April. That's I don't let's, I'll, let's get back into that. All right, so we'll go back here. I'll just put it up on Google image. Um Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem. Let's see if we can find that image of her standing. Just because, I don't know, she doesn't doesn't strike me as the kind of... I mean, I could be wrong because Lizzo is a thing, but, like, that doesn't strike me as the kind of person who's going to be twerking anytime soon. But that was funny. I do appreciate that. <laughs> um, yeah, so... It's ridiculous. Uh, yeah, I, I can understand the argument of whatever whatever Eastman's wife, whatever cultural identity or racial identity Eastman's wife had would be um, whatever April from the comic books would be. But Eastman said very explicitly that he thought of her as mixed race Asian and... <laughs> Oh, I mean, she probably knows you better than I do. So, <laughs> but yeah, so uh, the uh, that's even that's a more strong argument to make her Asian because that's the way Eastman saw her. But Eastman also based her at least in attitude on his wife, and his wife was white. So, like, I don't know. It's an irrelevant argument. I think I think focusing on the color of the skin of the character is going to detract from the story. If that happens, then it's broken. If they just happen to make her black, but she still has all of the other character traits, then it's a minor uh, annoyance at best. So I, they, need to, they need to just keep, keep that 
intact. They need to keep the character personality traits and the, and the way the character carries themselves intact. And then you'll have a good you'll have a good Ninja Turtles movie because that's the thing that's the biggest sin that we got from the uh, the 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 last two live action movies was they just that was not the characters that they were supposed to be. Um, all right, so we're into music. Uh, we got this was the reason why I wanted to jump over to music because again my girlfriend just informed me of this. She sends me she sends me articles when I'm doing research. It's great. I love it. Um, so Dark Angel guitarist Jim Durkin passed at 58. Dark Angel death metal band. Um, I can't remember where they're from, but I'm sure that we'll get into it in the article. Uh, Dark Angel guitarist Jim Durkin has passed away at 58 years old. Durkin played Dark Angel between 83 and 89 and was in the band once again between 2000. 13 and present day Durkin performed on Dark Angel's albums We Have Arrived in 85, Darkness Descends in 86 and Leave Scars in 89. Durkin's death was reported by his wife Annie, who was Durkin's friends family. Uh broken heavy heart want to share that the love of my life and my best friend and husband Jimmy passed away Wednesday morning wrote Annie. He was not alone and I was with him along with a few close friends until the end. He will be truly missed and no one can ever replace the love I have for him. May he ever rest in peace. Ever thine, ever mine, ever ours, ours, my immortal beloved. I will see you again. That sucks, but does it tell us how he passed? Um, thank you, fans, the loyal support, privacy. Yeah, they're, they're not going to say exactly what it was that took him. That's unfortunate. See if we can get one or two more headlines for. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, our artillery drummer Joshua Madsen dies after getting hit by a bus. Oh, yikes. That sucks. I don't know the band artillery, though. Suicide Silence and his regrets surrounding Mitch Looker album he hates and much more. Mashuga streams remastered version of Obzen. That's wicked awesome. Surprise on Biscuits Web Borland is streaming a new solo album. Here we go. This is follow-up to that West Borland piece we talked about a little while ago. Um, he was recording a solo record. Hey, look, West Borland has a brand new solo album, and it's out right now. Far from... Oh, you did? I, I haven't checked. I haven't checked. Uh, far from his wild new riffs in Limp Bizkit, Borland is continuing down an incredibly spacey, almost soundtrack-like path with his solo material. It's fantastic, and you can check it out in full below. Uh, we got nine new tracks. That's pretty awesome. New solo album, Mutiny on the Star Barge, <laughs> is out today, said Borland. Surprise! I've been chipping away at this one since last summer. Uh, he's shared studio pictures. I don't know how surprised we should be. Brother Scott Thomas Borland contributed cello and string arrangements to several tracks as well. That's really awesome. I wish I could play it in stream, but I can't because, you know, copyright's a thing. That's pretty cool. I'm probably going to work. We will be talking about that in the next regular episode. Um, Periphery put out their new record. Gent is not a genre. <laughs> well, at least they're acknowledging it. Um, Joey Belladonna on lip syncing. If I can't sing it, I don't want to be there. Good. As you would expect from the lead singer of Anthrax. Archspire has been playing 
Twisted at their recent shows. Twister at their recent shows. Oh, here we go. Converge, working on new music, announces U.S. tour with Brutus and Frail Body. Converge will hit the road this May for a handful of shows around their appearances uh, at the Welcome to Rockville and Sonic Temple Festivals. The shows will be opened by Brutus and Frail Body. You can get dates below. In addition to the tour dates, Converge is working on new music. I'm super excited about this one as well. Drummer Bren, uh, Ben Kohler took the Instagram to reveal Converge has begun working on the follow-up to their 2017 album, The Dusk in Usk, the collaborative 2021 album, Blood Moon, depending on how you're keeping track. <laughs> uh, Blood Moon is a an incredible record as well, but Dusk in Us uh, is probably some of the more digestible Converge that's ever been out there. That's not saying much because it's still very Converge. Uh, better yet, it'll feature potentially the heaviest riff of our career, so that rules. Absolutely that rules. Uh, can Quote, Converge may have written the heaviest riff of our career. Bunch of new songs and the slow cooker smelling real good so far. Rehearsal has about ten times better this time around thanks to my three new favorite toys. Tama Drums, Birch, Walnut Kit, Liquid Death, SJC Custom, Drum Snare, and Yamaha Music EAD-10. Super stoked about that. Yes, please, and thank you. Trey looks great. Yes, I'm super excited as long as she isn't green. <laughs> but yeah, no, I think the trailer that they put out does exactly what it needs to be. It definitely gets you hype about Ninja Turtles, which is good because, again, those last two live action movies were not good. <laughs> like it was it was it was hard to sit in the theater and i did sit in the theater and watch both of them because i grew up on turtles like i remember jumping off the couch and doing karate moves with my friends because we were leonardo and i was always michelangelo when we were kids but uh sometimes i was donatello but those are the two that generally that i identify the most with uh my girlfriend's a Raphael kind of person herself Raphael is your turtle yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I I think I think that the ooze portion of the trailer is great. I think the fact that they're actually teenagers and not just paid lip service to the fact that they're teenagers also is awesome. The fact that they're kind of bumbling is exactly what we need out of the turtles. I think that is is going to be better than haters want to acknowledge. And that's the important part. I think we need things to just be good. Like maybe expand the, the, the mythology a little bit. Sure. But just make a good piece of art with these properties and the rest can come down the road, I guess. Um, I think, Two additional U.S. tours with Undeath and a Phobophilic. Black Dahlia, new vocalist. I still haven't heard any stuff with the new vocalist. Um, but yeah, two two more shows with Undeath. Undeath is great. They're a new death metal band, and they are quite good. Oh, that's right. They they have a really long... That's right. I totally... We reported on this when it was announced. I spaced it off. New vocalist. All right. I think it's where we leave the news. It looks like we're going to get a good Bebop and Rocksteady. Um, different origin 
not really a different origin. That's the that's the really cool thing is I don't think it's a different. I don't think it's going to be that different. I think Rogan's definitely going to want to put his uh, spin on it a little bit, sure. But I don't think that it's going to be that different of an origin. I think it's just going to. Um, it's just going to be kind of tinged a little bit different because they, they, they alluded to the ooze in their little interview segment with April that you get in the trailer. They talk about the ooze and, uh, and she calls it, oh, she called it goo stuff. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the, it looks like they're going to be doing good with Rocksteady and Bebop, uh, unless that's what you're talking about, different origin, because yeah, that definitely looks like there's going to be a different origin to Rocksteady and Bebop, um, but I, I don't know how many, how m- much of the fan base is really married to the origin of Rocksteady and Bebop, because that was effectively where Toka and Razar came from as well, was a similar attempt at recreating Rocksteady and Bebop for the uh, the Secret of the Ooze movie. So, yeah, I think... I think it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be better again. I think it's gonna be better than than comics gate types are want to admit. <laughs> yeah. No. I. I legit. I. I think that I'm cool with a, a different origin for Rockstar and Bebop because I don't know. Again, how many people are really married to the origin that comes from the the uh, animated series? All right, uh, so let's do let's do this real quick. I need to feed my dogs and then get a little food to smash into my face as well. So we are going to. Uh-oh. No, don't do this to me. Okay, I don't know what the heck that just was, but my computer really just freaked out for a second. Let's make sure that everything's kosher. Yes, everything is kosher. Okay, so that puts us to the spot where we are going to take a couple minutes. Again, I got to feed the dogs and take care of a couple of things. Then we will be back for the second half of the show, which is the gaming portion. But we can totally, Johnny boys, we can totally continue this conversation during the gaming portion. I'm down for that if you're down to stick around for a few minutes. Um... But this is where the news portion ends. So if you are listening in post or if you are watching in post on one of the syndicated channels, then this is where I leave you. So thank you for joining. We will see you in the next regular episode. Again, we there will be a little bit of a scheduling hiccup, so it might go up a little late, but it will still be going up. Uh, and then we'll see you on the next live show next Friday. If you, again, are in chat and you want to continue this conversation, give me just a couple of minutes to get some sustenance and give my dogs the same and we will be back to continue the conversation um, because I really love turtles I've been a Ninja Turtle fan since forever I the very first Halloween I can remember I was I don't even, I think I was Michelangelo because I had a set of nunchucks back then so uh, yeah if you want to stick around and talk turtles or you just want to talk any nerdy stuff then by all means do that uh, but again any of you watching or listening on syndicated outlets we will see you on the next one before we go always always remember Remember that if it's generally nerdy, it's probably here.